You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is a little lore episode for the Speed Metal Shell, and I will be your host for this episode, and my name is Orchid. And I am Elemist. Hello. Yo. Mm, I have some podcast info for you. We encourage feedback. It can be sent to us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can tweet at me at hey, it's orchid. You can tweet at elemist at I underscore am underscore elemist. You can send us an email at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can find us on Instagram at guardians of flore or guardians of lore. You can leave us a review wherever you can find the podcast. Um, if you do, Please leave us five stars um, on Apple, like Apple Podcasts. That's how people find us. It like fools the algorithm, I guess. Um, you can find <laughs> us in our. I mean, that's what it does. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Fools um, the algorithm. It does. It fools them into thinking that we're really good at this. That's a lie. You can find us in our Discord. Uh, there is a link in the description for this episode, but if it's easier for you, you can just type it into your browser. It's discord.gg slash lorehub. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. And every little bit helps. And we really do appreciate everybody who subscribes and everyone who donates. Uh, you don't understand how much it means to us, especially in this economy. We have to thank our newest subscriber, which is our friend Doom. Thank you so much. Uh, finger guns just for you. So thanks so much. <laughs> um, we have. Oh, yeah. We well, can also find us on the Lord Network dot com. Uh, alongside many <laughs> press lore content creators. We're gonna skip that part. That's not important. We're gonna talk about Ko-Fi right now because it's the newest thing. So our Ko-Fi right now, we redid a bunch of tiers. We have three tiers that we have on Ko-Fi. I'm gonna pull up our Ko-Fi. Hold on. 10 minutes and one discussion of Abu Dhabi 2021 later. No, Mikey, no, no, Mikey. That was so not right. Yeah, I got my down. I think the way you I think the way you did it was was pretty clever. What? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have three tiers on Ko-Fi that you can subscribe to. The first one is you've played the missions. It's five dollars per month. Anyone who donates five dollars per month gets access to a special channel in the Lore Hub, and you get a shiny, cool Tess Everest engram next to your Discord name. You're paying that silver to us, baby. And for $10 a month, do you really know the lore? You now know the lore because you now have access to all of our show notes as well as the hidden channel that you get for the $5 a month. So we really do thank you so much, like for both of them. So you get that exclusive discount or you get the exclusive content of reading all that bullshit that we write down in Google. <laughs> and you get to have your own channel that you can chat with people. 
Um, for that checking the postmaster that we've been talking about since the beginning, the $15 per month or more. Some people, there's actually one that pays more than that every single month. We yeah. really do appreciate it. We do. Um, you get that special shout out on the podcast that you literally help run this podcast because podcasting is actually not free. We pay for software that we use. Um, we have bought equipment for this podcast and we pay for the hosting for this podcast every single month with it. So you guys now support us completely and we really cannot believe it that you do that. Thank you. Um, you can now listen to us record our episodes live uh, when we record. So if you check the postmaster with us, you can also just listen to us record with all of the bloopers and all of us. We sit here and talk for like an hour before we record. Yeah, we do. Like every single time. So you can do that. We record usually on Tuesdays, but sometimes on Wednesdays. You can subscribe and listen to us record with all the mistakes and all of the bullshit that does not make it into these episodes. And all the side tangents that we cut out oh and God. everything else. <laughs> everything else. So we can do this without you. Thank you so much. So yeah, you can check all those out on the GoFi. Um, we'll have that link. It's in the description for the episode. It's down there. And we've said it a million times, but thank you. So moving on, I did a vault of class and zero seizures, guys. Let's go. Let's go. That's amazing. I changed, I changed a bunch of settings on my computer. That is amazing. I'm super thrilled about it because one of my friends, Dr. Bright, who is actually one of our um, one of the mods that we have in our server. And <laughs> I hadn't seen him around forever. He just like disappeared and he hasn't played Destiny in months. Like he like uninstalled the game. <laughs> he like messages me in game. He's like Vogue. And I'm like, what? Like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> because he never messages me and then also what is he doing messaging me like he's whispering at me in game like what he's like yeah we're gonna do a vlog do you want in and i'm like i'm intrigued yes so you know like completely just misunderstanding the request and what i was supposed to be doing um yeah i turned on a bunch of really weird settings and it was fine sort of mostly there are some caveats i have to like run the ages whenever i can okay so that's that's a caveat and i don't know why so, so you're gonna have to get good i am good already thanks wow rude <laughs> how dare you I used to do, okay, I do have to specify, I used to do Vogue all the time in D1. Like, I've done it over 70 times in D1. And um, I've done it several times in D2, but I always had a, a really big problems doing it before I did this. And this time I had, like, very few problems. And also, when I get to the boss room, I have to keep something between me and Atheon kind of all the time. Like, either, like, an actual wall or like the Aegis or something. So I, me doing damage is like 
not really a thing. So, like, usually someone would drop it and I would pick it up. But, um, yeah, it, it was it was good. It was fun. I had a really good time. So it was it was great. Hey, at, at least you didn't have any seizures like that's Yeah, that is a good thing. I didn't even really like have a headache afterwards. It's just like Dr. Bright hadn't slept in 72 hours when he had asked me to do the raid. So it was an interesting raid. Jeez. And it was also like having to remember how to run it. I mean, like it comes back to you immediately. You remember immediately how to do it. Like if you've done it that many times, it's just kind of rote. You just you just remember without having to remember you know yeah yeah it's like if they brought leviathan back i would remember how to run it immediately i think i would not take long muscle memory and all yeah that. it's muscle memory i would not have to remember how to do it i don't think anyone would have that problem he was run it a bunch same kind of idea but anyway do you want to tell me about your raid this weekend so we literally just we did our, our regular normal run. Uh, we did the challenge. It's in the first encounter. The tormentors that come up need that add time to the, the white mechanic need to be killed by somebody with the light buff. On my part, like I was just ad clearing the entire time and it was. I had nothing to worry about. Oh, OK. But we ended up jumping into the master version to get that challenge completed. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So how does the power difference feel? It felt like it honestly, it felt like contest, but a little bit more challenging. Like it, it was just, it, it's, I think that's the simplest way of describing it. It just, it felt like contest. A lot of people are saying it felt like how contest should have felt. Which is like kind of a shitty thing to say. <laughs> a lot of people are are hypercritical on this raid, and I don't think they should be. Well, I mean, I'll if you can kill Nezarak with a bunch of fusion grenades in a well and two man it, but you have to have an entire build to do like a legendary lost sector on Neomuna. So you don't die like there's a problem with the way power is being distributed between these two activities. I agree on that. Like there's a huge problem. Like I'm getting wiped out doing patrol on Neomuna. I, I, I completely agree on that. And threshers are taking me out. And like. Like that shouldn't happen. Like I said, like, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Neomuna specifically is just overtuned to the point that like clearing a lost sector I have I I essentially die like eight times trying to clear the final room like it's not fun at that point right like I'm like pretty much at 1820 it shouldn't be that much of a struggle but they're constantly red sorted right because that they're like, oh, well, they're always going to be red swords. Like, why the fuck do I want to play on that planet if they're always red sorted? Honestly, like, that's why I'm trying to rush through all the Neomuna, like, Lightfall content so that I don't have to be there anymore. I want to enjoy it. 
I love Niamuna. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I love the aesthetic and I love like swinging my ass around like Spider-Man, but I don't like having my ass handed to me all the time because someone decided that they like want a challenge. I don't want a challenge. I just want to play the game and like unplug my brain for two hours. Thanks. I don't I'm not salt greppo. I don't need a challenge to go on patrol. Go fuck yourself. I completely agree. Sorry, you're talking about the raid. Well, no, so like, I I completely agree. Patrol should be the easiest thing. Yeah, but if patrol is harder than challenge mode, which I would argue some parts of it is. Challenge, like, mode was not difficult. Like, there have been other challenge modes that were way harder than this one. I agree. Challenge mode for King's Fall was harder than this one. I, I agree. I would argue every challenge mode was harder than this one. Now, the one thing I am going to say, mm-hmm. I see this as a a specific, like they did the difficulty specifically for this raid. They made it easier so people didn't feel as intimidated to jump in. And what better way to get a bunch of people raiding and ready for the final shape? I don't know about that, but... Like, if this was their idea of baby's first raid, then sure. And I might be giving them more credit than than they deserve, but like... No, I I don't think you are. I think that's exactly right. I think think you hit the nail on the head because this was the most played raid they've ever had. This was the most played contest mode they've ever had. Like, I think you're right. It was also the easiest contest mode they've ever had. And, and I agree with, I, I understand that. And I, I'm totally like, I'm not arguing it. I mean, I'm only saying that having played like all the contest modes, this was the easiest one. It, this has been my, my only clear of it, of contest mode. I'm not saying that, like, I'm not taking away anyone's beating it because contest mode is always hard. Yeah just because it was easier than the rest that shouldn't take away the fact that you beat contest mode. Contest mode is still hard. Absolutely. Like, if you got a clear, like, please congratulate yourself. That is amazing. Like, I did not get a clear. I mean, I didn't really try, but I did not get a clear. <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations, please. Like, it's amazing. It's a huge accomplishment. But at the same time, they made it like, so much easier to do. They did. And and I'm I'm able to recognize that, but I'm also looking at the fact of like they're trying to play long game at this point. I think they're just trying to get more people to raid because raids are super expensive. And no one does it. Yeah. 10% of the population raids and raids are very expensive. Yeah. They have to make their money back somehow. And so they need to make them cheaper. And by making it cheaper, they need more people raiding. So they need to make them more accessible. And what made to make it more accessible than to make contest mode 48 hours to make it easier to make more people excited about it? You know, all that stuff. Oh, absolutely. And and, and make the raid easier itself. And like I said, I am able to recognize all that. I'm fine with all of that. I'm fine with all of that. If that gets more people raiding and more people excited about the other raids, 
Like, I'm cool with it. Exactly. If that means they bring back other raids that are older, reprised raids. Like Scourge. I want them to bring Scourge back so badly. Because, like, at this point, we've seen that they don't really tie them into the, the season or anything. Yeah. So. I mean, if they brought back Leviathan, but spooky as a raid, could you imagine? I would totally be good with that. Spooky Leviathan raid? Let's go. <laughs> Spooky Crown of Sorrows. <laughs> that would be cool. I I'm I would actually be all right with them bringing back Crown. I would be all right with them bringing back Spooky Leviathan, or even just a like a raid dungeon, like Eater of Worlds. I saw somebody talking about it on Twitter today. I think it's Protheon. That would be good too. Like Eater is, is super fun. It's really quick. Yeah, I think. Back when when you and I were in in the same clan, I think we got it down to like thirty minutes. Yeah, we did. We cleared Eater super quickly. I remember running that with you a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we were down. We got that down to a fine science. I used to run Cold Heart a lot then. <laughs> yep. I mean, that was the meta for damage, which is weird to say now out loud. But right. Shit was wild back then. I don't know. God, I don't like that <laughs> meta for damage being cold hard. God, what were we thinking? Anyway. I mean, it was better. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was before they nerfed it. Anyway, we have a weekly seasonal story to talk about because the seasonal the, the seasonal stories are now over. Yeah. Yes. For now, I guess. I think we have one radio message for the end of the season, the end, end of the season, I believe. And then it's like truly over, but for now the season is over. So, um, we had Amanda's funeral. Yeah, we did. It was very sad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Should we cover the rest of the season before we actually get to the funeral? Uh, yeah. Um, so would you want to summarize what happens? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in the very first week, we rescue Amanda from the, the pyramid that's on her, the EDZ. In the second week, not much changes aside from a new battleground. In the third week, it's a new battleground and we get a voice line of, Amanda talking about how she mentioned that Mithrax was crawdaddy. Honestly, um, great and, line. And and so. we also do get uh, an ink blot ink blot cutscene. Oh, that's true. We get to learn about her childhood, and yes. so we get all of the lore from the chaperone uh, shotgun in that ink blot cutscene, which is really nice. And that's actually where we made the, like, I made the first connection of the little girl in the Zavala cutscene. Yes. Being Amanda. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the fourth week, we go on a mission and it ends up being a trap. Amanda gives her life to rescue a bunch of, of human Anilixni. And then... We see, we start seeing Zavala grieve the loss. 
and then this this final week we see the actual funeral services so um we heard after we did the normal um the normal battleground we actually before even the battleground started we talked to devram because he's the one who contacted us and the first thing he kind of mentioned this week i made a lot of notes guys i have an entire page of notes you don't understand how much preparation i did for this episode okay <laughs> please praise me um orchid did a lot more prep than i did i did so much prep you have no idea i wanted to actually like give this an honest try because I feel like I didn't give this honest thought after last week because whenever characters die, it doesn't, it feels really cheap sometimes. Like deaths can be very meaningless, especially deaths in Destiny because you're like, well, people just come back to life. Like deaths right. mean very little here. And especially if you see, they, especially if you see, they do, but they don't, they do, but they don't, especially if you see like, oh, well, like, oh, well, we just naturally see that she can just come back. But it's like, but are they going to bring her back now? After this week? Probably, maybe, but maybe not. Like after this week, I don't know anymore. Because after this week, I see them maybe taking it in a different direction. And and I'm all for it. I don't know. So we talked to Devram and he's found like real exhaustion in his grief, which I have totally felt before. Like yeah. if you feel grief, like sometimes depression, just like you get so tired and you're just like, fuck me. <laughs> like I can't today. <laughs> I can't every day. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes, like, if you have that, like, grief or that depression, you just can't. Devram, like, really looks like he just can't. But he, like, pushes through it. And he's like, Amanda really gives me this resolve to fight another day. So he just, like, keeps, he, like, digs deep and just keeps fighting and just, like, pushes through it. And he keeps fighting for her, which I don't know, like, how healthy that is. Probably not as healthy as she she would want. He's just like pushing. He's just like fighting for her. I don't know if he's like fighting to like run away from her, maybe or run away from like the grief of her dying. Like, I don't know a whole lot about grief, you know, like I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I am a scientist. I do the logic -y bits. I don't do like the brainy bits so i don't know but he was very um he's very much like i saw people being taken by the cabal so i had to by the shadow legion so he had to fight because like that's what amanda would do but amanda wasn't like being healthy about it she was fucking no. running away because she was running away from her crow problems yes so, like, that's not something to look up to. <laughs> like, don't look up to that shit. Like, maybe ask for help. Don't do it on your own. I I think it's more of he knows what needs to be done. 
I mean, yeah. And he's using Amanda as motivation for himself. Or as an excuse. That that very well could be. But I don't know. I his character like totally hits differently for me. Like yeah. maybe differently than it should. Like his Gideon Emery is like totally he oh, yeah. I've like known him as Fenris from Dragon Age 2 for like the longest time. Dragon I, Age 2 came out in like 2010. I knew him as Deucalion from Teen Wolf. Yeah. So we've both known him as other things from like way long time ago. Forever ago. But like so whenever I hear his voice as other video game characters, I'm like, that's Fenris. Like I can't I'm sorry, I can't (laughs) with you right now. So when I watched when I like listened to like the cutscene again after I'd already played it and like closed my eyes, I'm like, oh, my God, like you can just picture other characters saying the same thing about like a different character. And it just like kind of like breaks your heart a little bit. I can't can't with you dumb fuck oh so um then we get to zavala after the mission and they've like erected a little like guardian games plinth for amanda because everyone gets one now Cade got his own guardian games plinth amanda gets her own guardian games plinth everyone's winning in death to be fair Mm-hmm. The actual statue is a jump ship. Yes. She won the jump ship competition in death. <laughs> anyway. She wasn't a guardian. She had to win the jump ship competition. Anyway. That's her class. So sad. And and Zavala ends up giving this emotionally charged kind of really touching speech. Yeah. And it, it just with everything that happened in the last like week or two weeks, it just, it hits so hard for anybody who, who knows that the voice of Zavala, Lance Reddick passed away Mm -hmm. to hear Zavala talk about grief of losing someone. Like it, it it was, it's so weird because it's like he was expressing my emotions while talking about the actual voice actor who was saying the lines. He was telling you about your feeling of loss about him to yourself. He was like explaining that loss to you. And I feel like they've not spoken well about loss. They've been trying to explain it for seasons now. Like, they've tried to explain it. They tried to explain it during Haunted. Yeah. And, like, they almost got there. They got, like, right up to the line and, like, didn't quite make it. And I feel like they finally got over that line this season. Because, like, we've... And that's that's exactly it. We felt that pain with Zavala, like, with his wife and his child. Like, we felt that pain. And we felt that pain with Cade. Like, honestly, like, the whole community, like... We all grieved for him and we felt that rage and like we went through all those stages of loss and like we went through the five stages with Cade, like all of them, like as a community. It took us a long time to get through it 
And I think we finally got through acceptance like with Crow finally when we stopped being real mad about him. We finally got to acceptance. And it took years. Some longer than others. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Orchid. Hey, no. Pulled pork is a piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ride or die on that one. Glint is fine. He's a little baby. Pulled pork, though? Fuck that guy. Um, but no, like, you're, you're completely right. Like, this this talk of loss. It, like, honestly, it's it's been in D2 ever since the beginning. Yeah, it really has. Because... You're, I mean, the the Red War was all about us losing our light. Yeah. You know, we lost a large portion of who or what made us who we are. And then we get to Forsaken and, you know, the the fan favorite mentor yeah. dies. Mm-hmm. And then we get to um, Shadowkeep and we're helping Eris with her grief over the loss that she's she's felt. her entire fire team right it's not just one person it's all of them right like that's an immense loss and like you don't really feel it because we never knew them in game we see her go through the stages of grief exactly and we still don't even really feel it like it's shadow keep did not do a good job of this no. Shadowkeep did a very bad job of this. Shadowkeep is uh, mediocre. It's still the stories are still good. If you haven't played them, yes. you should still go do them. The the stories If you have the DLC, you should go do it. Like the stories are mostly told in quests. Yeah. But like it's, they really are. it's the quests that made Shadowkeep good. Mhm. Because the campaign was absolute trash. Yeah, it was not good. But I mean, we experienced loss like all through there and Zavala's like absolute gutting loss, like with his wife and child in In the Beyond Light Year. In yeah. Like they, they hinted at it. They did During Season of the Haunted. Uh no, actually, um they <sighs> hinted at it in the Beyond Light Year in Season of the Splicer. Yeah, but we never saw it. I'm talking about like actually seeing it. And experiencing it with him. So then that that ends up being in the Witch Queen year. Yeah. So like all throughout D2, there have been small stories about loss and trying to deal with it. And they finally did a story that I feel was actually well done mm-hmm. with dealing with that that grief and that of that loss. I mean, it, there's there's still ways that it could have been improved, but I think this is much better than, it, like you said, you know, Shadowkeep's way of dealing with grief or Forsaken's way of dealing with it. Right. Oh, I think this was really well done. And he, the way he says, like, I'm so proud of you in the very end, like, absolutely was gut-wrenching. And like really tore at me and I don't play with my game music on because I usually listen to like anime music (laughs) or like just music that is not appropriate for Destiny, (laughs) especially like when we're doing something like really serious. So I did not have my music on when we were watching this 
Um, and I was playing with Alamist in Rindle at the time. So we're all watching this and it, you can just hear like the creak of Zavala's armor and like the like whisper of the wind through the leaves and like his like like gut punch of a performance and it just was like very still and very moving and hurt me. <laughs> It hurt me I, so bad. I, I still say a lot of it is because they were able to sum up how you're feeling about the loss of Lance Reddick. Yeah. And it, I think it had more to do with that than the loss of Amanda. Like, I still don't absolutely. really feel anything about that. It was more about Lance being dead and absolutely that feeling and tying it to that, really. It wasn't really about Amanda at all, and and it's more which kind of sucks. It it does, but like, and it, it's it's more surreal because you're hearing Lance talk about what you're feeling about him dying. It it's it's surreal and and just really weird to wrap your mind around at first. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I I do have a little bit of a thought about Zavala before we move on to Marasov. Mm -hmm. So like he has now kind of like soundly rejected the traveler with this because he's begged the traveler to help him like during the red war, like with his wife and child with Cade, um, with Amanda, with like the loss of everyone in his life. And the Traveler's always been, like, very silent. Like, been just kind of really shitty to him. Yep. He even mentioned, like, he watched warlords come back instead to, like, raise cities and, like, raise towns and, like, kill all the good people. And he only saw, like, shitty people come back. And, like, why are you rezzing all these bad people? Like, why aren't you rezzing, like, you know, my wife who's, like, you know, his wife was a surgeon, wasn't she? A field doctor because like, like wasn't she like a yeah whatever field doctor like because like it, it was the dark ages yeah yeah like why isn't so he's essentially like why won't you res like my field doctor good wife and you're resing these like shitty warlords what's going on and travelers just out here being shitty you know like shitty traveler does yeah and so he's pretty much he's um, Amanda was it like she was kind of that line. And now that that line is no longer there. Like he has nothing to lose anymore because he's already lost it. Like I think she was the last thing to lose. I, I think the last last thing that he has left to, to lose is Ikora is Ikora. But I mean, like... But this made him question his faith. It made him seriously take a look at it. I think losing the Traveler already made him question his faith from the Lightfall campaign. And that's... That may be. Because he... If you When you finish the campaign, he's like, the Traveler is dead and I'm questioning everything. Like... If you remember when you talk to him, that big like speech he gives you and he's standing there staring dead eyed at you. you. You've you've done such a good Zavala impression. Thank you. I'm a professional voice actor. 
<laughs> but but no, like I I I I see that. Yeah. Like it it's a lot of him questioning things and cuz like for hundreds of years he believed one thing and and mm-hmm. now it's been flipped on its head and then his charge like the the person he kept care of until they were you know able to set out on their own you know dies in the field of battle yeah like he's a parent watching his child die again you know yeah he's really questioning things and i just i'm just wondering though like if the traveler stays silent and she doesn't become a guardian like we assumed right because that's kind of like where the story was headed then like do you see the possibility that like he could just go off on his own and be like i'm just gonna go beat this on my own i'm just gonna go turn dark and just like i'm just gonna go fix this i don't i'm just gonna go zavala things like he wouldn't do it for the traveler he would do it like for humanity humanity right yeah for earth because the traveler is not going to help us that is very out of character for him but given the fact that he might still be trying to get his feet under him he might not be thinking clearly i i could see that that's what i'm assuming at this point like i mean people do irrational things when they're when they're grieving, grieving right people do crazy things when they're grieving but i'm also wondering like what will they do with him now because with lance gone and will they replace his voice actor will they write him out of the story or will they write him quietly so they won't have him say much because i'm wondering if next season's already done and written because they usually are like two seasons ahead absolutely with every season so i'm assuming next season's already finished and in the can if they bring somebody in, I hope that it's going to be like a forsaken kind of thing where they only bring them in for that one thing so that the the players can say goodbye to the character. Right. But I don't think they will unless they find another vendor for strikes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably. Like I'm, I'm trying to also look at this from a game management perspective because, like, mm-hmm. they would have to create a new NPC or shift one around. Um, I could see Crow honestly becoming right. the strike right coordinator because at this point it because I already see him being the hunter vanguard. He's proven himself time and again at this point. Well, and in one of the in one of the battlegrounds, he actually talks about one of his hunters. Right. So like I think he's already seeing himself as a hunter vanguard. Like if he's talking about his hunters, like I think he may be starting to be kind of the leader or starting to take at least a lead. Of some of the hunters. Hunters like don't like to have a boss. Yeah. Hunters just kind of go and do their own thing. Well, and, and hunters also don't like being leader. Unless no. it's 
unless, unless it's specifically to. for something stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, he is technically the Hunter Vanguard because he did kill Kate. Right. The Vanguard dare and all that. But. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah, I know. So, I mean, he is technically the Hunter. Yeah, technically. <laughs> I mean, Ultron Sov is technically the Hunter Vanguard, so. But he, Crow has. Wouldn't that make us the Hunter Vanguard because we killed Ultron Sov? <sighs> That's where it gets a little gray because, like, Crow has the memories of Aldrin now. But we killed Aldrin? Oh, absolutely. My ti- my Titan ass should be the Hunter Vanguard. So we would be the Hunter Vanguard? I, me, <laughs> Warlock, it should be the Hunter Vanguard. <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> Bow to me, Hunters. I am oh, your God. new Vanguard. God, no. <laughs> my dawn blade ass is now the hunter vanguard <laughs> fusion grenade fusion grenade fusion grenade <laughs> but, but that's that's uh, <sighs> okay as much as I don't want to be that guy I am our resident hunter so I need to clear this up. All right. So killing the existing Hunter Vanguard, that was Cade's Vanguard dare. Okay. Completely different from the dare that Andal Brask had put before, which was, oh, whichever one of us loses, um, try to take down fucking Tanix. Yeah, that person gets to be the Hunter Vanguard. So... Yeah. Just just because we killed Aldrin after he killed Cade doesn't make us the fucking Hunter Vanguard. Because even if Aldrin had accepted that station, he didn't have Vanguard Dare that he put in. So technically, there's no Vanguard Dare. Christ. Swear to God. Working with you guys is exasperating sometimes. I, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Fuck you. That's what I'm thinking. Like they could, yeah, they could shift it to Crow or Mithrax. Mithrax would be so baller, man. I love Mithrax so much. Oh, that'd be so it, sad, like, though. Like, th- there's possibilities, and yeah, I'm I hoping like- that if they do bring in a new voice actor, it's so that we can say goodbye to Zavala. Yeah. You know, have him go out in a blaze of gold, glory. Yeah, I love Zavala though. Oh, that hurts me so bad. But Zavala was really like the the apex of the entire story for this. It really wasn't like Amanda like we thought it was. It was really Zavala. Yep. Like the last part was really kind of Mara and Crow like having moments. Mara had this really touching message to us that was written like really beautifully it was very purple prosy and you know how i feel about that but it was really beautiful her voice actor did such a good job and she's like really learned over the millennia i'm gonna say millennia because i don't know how old she is she's eternal well i mean um with the time that she spent in the distributary like i mean it could be millennia i don't fucking know how old she is yeah so she's like she made a point of saying that she's 
kind of like learned how to grieve by watching Zavala. I'm paraphrasing, but she never grieved outwardly, I think. No, no she And never I think she's finally learned how to by watching Zavala or is starting to learn how to or has finally at least learned the benefit of outward like shared grieving because when she spoke to crow later she was talking about like don't like hold it too close to your heart like because he kind of like mentioned like well you never did this for me and she's like well i smothered that i smothered that part of myself like you need to talk about it and like let it breathe and it's like a really touching moment between the two of them that like you'd never thought you'd have that in this story. It's really nice. It's like such a nice little button on the end of all of it. I'm really glad they put that in there. Absolutely. It's really lovely. Like, it's like it, really emotional and really nice. It really made me actually love her character more. Her character has like grown so much in the last yeah. like few seasons that we've had her that she used to be this like really immovable like bigger she used to be like this epic character that you don't really know she's just like this immovable stone of a character but she's like so much more than that now originally in d1 like i i had this this view of her that you know she was the awoken queen you know such prestige and she was hot as hell um, I mean, she still is. And and then <laughs> <Let's> be real, <laughs> right? Um, uh-huh. And then you get her backstory and see how manipulative she is, and it, yeah, like you start pulling away from that. And now, with the work that they've done on her character in the in hell, just the last year, year and a yeah. half, like I, I mean, this I really love her character now. Like the strides she made with her brother, like since he came back as Crow, yes. and like. The mistakes she admitted to, like, once he got his memories back. And, like, she's like, yeah, I fucked up. I'm really sorry. Exactly. I mean, she says that in her own Marasov way. She's never going to come out and be like, yeah, it's like, my bad. But she, like, does it in her own way as much as she can. She's, like, she is trying in her way. And, like, this is the most honest we've ever seen her absolutely and like the most like nakedly barred we've ever seen her like in the entire story of like all of destiny in this moment and it's like really really beautiful this is the most raw we've seen her yeah it's it's super nice i really like it a lot i do too Mm mm-hmm also crows calling amanda a sunrise like almost broke me (laughs) Like, yeah i'm like no <laughs> but um we had uh, we were wondering what the moral of the season was i think i know what it is but i wanted your opinion on it <laughs> so i'm looking at the loss aspect okay tomorrow's not guaranteed for anybody mm-hmm. but cherish the time that you have yeah. Don't leave things left unsaid. Like, you know, how Amanda and, and Crow left things before she passed away. Yeah. And and that's that's stuff that I've I've learned 
over the course of my life because of different things that have happened in in my life. So like I'm able to easily pick that out. Mm-hmm. What do you think though? I think part of it might be Devram's message, which is like keep on pushing through it. Like even if you feel like you can't and like grieve, but don't forget. That's fair. Um, and also like a part of the season and a part of Lightfall, death happens like all around us. Yeah. This is like the darkest between this and Haunted, maybe. And when we lost Sagira, I feel like those are like the darkest seasons we've had in Destiny. And like death happens and it feels like it could be like absolutely senseless. Like this is a senseless death to me. I, it's like she's just, she's dead. I also think it, this might just be, because like our guardian has won every fight that we've gone into. Mm-hmm. Like every single one. When you stop and think about, you know, final bosses and stuff, we've beaten them all. But we didn't because we lost Lightfall. That's what I was getting at or going to get at. I think yeah. starting with Lightfall and this season, we're getting our asses handed to us. Like we're losing that. We lost that. I mean, like we lost Cade. Yeah, but then we later avenged him. Yeah, but how much of a win was that? Like we won by like hunting down a bunch of people and like doing revenge on them and then killing like Aldrin Sav who was taken over by something and it wasn't entirely his fault and in the end we killed a confused person because they were like taken over by a wish dragon oh I I, I understand that that's awful absolutely I see all this year being just us losing. Just all lose. It's just like the gear of like big L God. Anyway, the three big questions that weren't answered this season were who are building the big pyramids on Earth? Question mark. Yeah. Also, who's stealing humans and why do they need them? And who's leading the Shadow Legion now that Callus is dead? Those are my questions. Because those were not answered. And I I like the first one is is important, don't get me wrong, but I think the last two are more important. You know, why are humans being imprisoned instead of and Elixni? Why are they being imprisoned instead of you know, killed off or whatever? Um well, I mean, I figure building the pyramids on Earth, I figure it's probably the Shadow Legion because it's the witness. But why does he need a pyramid on Earth? Like, he likes what pyramids look like? I mean, pyramid aesthetic? We have pyramids. They're in Egypt and yeah. Mexico and Peru. And everywhere. We have pyramids literally everywhere. Like, pick one. I, I was I was just thinking that. Stay out of my head. <laughs> yeah, so many. No, and and, and yeah, I, I I think it is the Shadow Legion. Yeah, building them. Um, mm-hmm. But then I mean, it, what do you think about the humans, though? Tell me your theory. I, the only thing I can think of is maybe it's it's some Matrix kind of thing. 
people are being harvested as batteries. Like I, I, I have no clue because like we come down to the whole idea of the final shape and it, we're not going to dive too far into that because it's its whole other thing that we will dive into later. But most of everything we've heard about the final shape, it's about the final species or the final being. So like, why would they leave Elixni and, and humans alive as prisoners instead of just killing them off? So there has to be some underlying reason, like using them as workhorses for constructing things, using them as fodder in order to, I, I don't know, like feed some creature or... Oh, God. I hope it's not that. <laughs> or to make them stronger. Like, I, I don't. I mean, it's all like, I can't wait to see what happens next season because like it can Same. go anywhere at this point. I'm pretty stoked for next season. Me too. Like, I want to see if it takes like, is it going to take place in the EDC? Is it going to take place on Neomuno? Who knows? Like, you thought it might take place on Titan. Yes. I also think it might take place on Titan. I'm pretty excited to see if it does. So it could be cool. But um, how about we do this lore network ad and then do the rest of the episode? An hour in? Yeah, let's do this. <sighs> Shut up. Lore network ad. The lore network. Have you ever wished that someone could just read you the lore? Destiny Lore Audiophile may be just the podcast you've been looking for. Join us as we bring the stories of Destiny to life with straight readings of your favorite lore with no analysis or commentary, or as we breathe life into these tales with acting, sound effects, and music. Currently, you can find Destiny Lore Audiophile on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes at Destiny Lore Audiophile. Audiophile is spelled with a PH instead of an F. You can find both readings and radio dramatizations of selected lore books and web lores by talented voice actors from the Destiny community. Episode releases will be announced from our Twitter pages at Hey It's Orchid and at Rendell Zivas. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single performance. See you there. Was that lore network ad felt very pleasant on my earballs oh god earballs again <laughs> god this is a little lore episode episode so some lore is impressed neatly into lore books but they add to the overall universe of destiny so we're going to use these little lore episodes to do a dive into these individual lore tabs this is a brief intro into the topic we're doing the speed metal shell you can acquire this speed metal shell by buying the Lightfall Collector's Edition question mark. Oh, no, you can just get the Digital Deluxe Edition. This is Toki's shell. Yep. Yeah. With the shiny metal bits.
we thought it would go with last week's episode. So we did this week's episode also because I couldn't record last night and I didn't really feel like doing a long episode this week because the Australian Grand Prix is this weekend. So we didn't want Rendell to have to do a lot of edit like editing because the Australian Grand Prix is at a really weird time for us. So we didn't want to do a long episode this week. Irony. Uh, shut up. Okay, read the thing. <laughs> All right, so the flavor text reads, for ghosts who are pretty and pretty dangerous. And the lore tab reads, I should have missed this speck of a station on the way to Pluto, except that for all it lacks in size, it's surprisingly warm, almost a full degree above the background of space, practically a flare. My ship's engines were through cooldown as I step out into the landing bay. The stock design, years ago, I could probably tell you which floor plan it used from Faberdine's showroom, Ishtar registration, probably an observatory forgotten in the collapse. But what's waiting past the hatch isn't stock. Atmo gear shiny and new. Someone's been here since the collapse. I unshoulder my rifle and warm up her power cell. A handprint. Grease and dust pressed sharp against the white wall, sized for a cabal, but five fingers. There's more. A smear of rippling silver and broken bits of something familiar. Too big for a gun, but maybe for that hand. A rustle behind me breaks the silence. I fire. Don't shoot, XO. A small voice begs. I, 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 I'm just Toki. Her glowing lens pokes out from behind the doorframe. A ghost? Why are you here? I, I heard the call. The call? a guardian? There's no humans this far out. Well, I know that now. Her body ripples in the light, looking oddly familiar. What's up with your shell? You like my silver? My friend showed it to me. Another ghost was crazy enough to come out here with you? No, ma'am. I met her here. Her fins coax something into view. A beautiful little mess of ribs and sails, with six bright eyes appraising me. I reach for it, and Anna's tiny hands pull me into a hug. Her dress is dirty, and she's crying. Grandfather's totally gonna freak, I think, as I pet her hair. It's okay, I'll help. I start as Toki's friend slithers into my hand and coos. I'll help, I realize. Yay! This one should have totally gone before last week's. We did everything out of order. We perpetually do everything backwards. You'll We'll never be accused of doing things in the correct order on this podcast. <laughs> you, guaranteed. Yeah. But... This is a great little, like, lore card. I love this so much. 
we can pick everything apart. Okay. Starting from the beginning, um, Elsie Bray's in her ship. She's going to Pluto for some reason. Why? But for going on the way to Pluto, she finds this space station a full degree above the background of space. Burr. Right. Now, what gets me is that this specific space station is registered to the Ishtar Collective. Yeah, exactly. So we know whereabouts it is. Oh, do we? Well, we have records in in Lightfall of the Ishtar Collective colonizing Neptune. That's true. So, So my thought is that this is around Neptune because they could easily just park the ship up in orbit and then start colonizing and return back to the ship whenever needed. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's so this was the Stargazer was the one that colonized Neptune, right? I believe so, but don't quote me on it. I think so. So then that that probably would be this ship. Yeah. And the thing that that really throws Elsie off is the fact that there's Atmo gear, like brand new Atmo gear. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that Atmo stands for atmosphere, so like it's it's mm-hmm. yeah gear for the vacuum of space. And they reference a handprint, you know, sized for a cabal, but five fingers. Well, we know some characters that are. Cabal sized. I didn't think that Cloud Striders were cabal sized when we saw that Nimbus is bigger than um, Keitel, but they're pretty darn large. I mean, their hands are very, very large. So, I mean, I guess their hands could be the same size. And I'm. I'm specifically thinking of there's like one or two cutscenes where like Nimbus is standing right next to Keitel or talking to her. Mm-hmm. And like they're looking eye to eye at level. I'm surprised at that because I know that Keitel is nine feet tall. I think Nimbus is like, I want to say almost 12 feet tall. They're like 10 to 12 feet tall. Like crazy big. It might have also been perspective then. It it could have been perspective, yeah, but... That I'm remembering? Yeah. Yeah. But the fact is, like, without knowing that these are, are Cloud Strider handprints, like, you would see the size and think, oh, hey, Cabal, but there's five fingers, what the hell? Like, so big. Right. I like the description of, like, the size... I'm wondering why this the Cloud Strider was there. And it's probably in one of the Cloud Strider legacies lore books. Actually, you know there is It might be. In the Cloud Strider legacies because I did start reading it. Um in the very first one called The Stargazer. Um The Stargazer. That is about how the Stargazer is the one who went to earth and 
change the war mind to forget where Neptune was. So the war mind couldn't tell anybody that Neptune was there. So I'm wondering if okay. like they just routinely would check like in Ishar files or use that to like peek at Earth every so often to be like, hey, you guys still don't know us. Maybe not, but I'm just wondering. I could see it like once or twice after the the second time. I would think that that would be more of like tempting fate. Yeah. But if it's a station out kind of in the middle of nowhere, like not near Neptune, like who's going to see it if they really don't think humans are around? That's fair. But they also could have been like, oh, shit, we're out here. And like we see the pyramid ships are coming. Like they could have been out there like looking at pyramid ship stuff. Because if Elsie was out there and it was before arrivals, they could have been like looking at pyramid ship telemetry or something. Because we don't know. Like, well, and, and and actually, I looked uh, at the second entry for that the Cloud Strider Legacies lore book, and they mentioned Malahayati. So it, it makes me think that, like, they had access to Malahayati, but they were very coy about it. Mm-hmm. And they were using Malahayati to actually ping Earth computers, saying, hey, do you know anything? Oh, interesting. Like, it's really interesting having the information that we have now like seeing like how much they knew because their stuff wasn't broken. Like the stuff on earth's was right. And they had the actual Ishtar collective. Like they had the live ones that didn't die. <laughs> like they, they were fine. Not the one twenty seven. Nope. They had like the rest of them. They had you know? the primes. Yeah. Exactly. The originals. Yeah. Exactly. So they didn't have like the weird Vex ones. They had like the actual. Right. Like the human ones. Right. So I just think like, you know, with all of that knowledge and all of those people, like they could have done a lot of interesting things with all the technology they had that they landed with. And obviously they did. I mean, look at what they had in Lightfall. Yeah. And and that is that is completely fair. Yeah. Cause I mean we originally thought that the the Ishtar Collective story was done. Oh it's just starting. Right. Well like before Lightfall. We yeah. we thought it was done. Like we did. We did think it was done. We're like, oh well they gave us a little bit in that one strike. And and then there was a little bit with um, we got some oxa and yeah, like there was a, a lore book where Pradith was traversing the like he was stuck in a prison made by the Vex and the Ishtar Collective Vex copies or the the copies that were sent into the Vex network you know reached out to him and like there was some mentions before. But, like, Mm -hmm. we felt that the story, for the most part, was done. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy that it isn't. Like, I kind of want to see what Bungie decides 
for the team next. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's um, also great. She at the very end of this, we look and we find out that she is starting to realize that touching the puka, which we don't know what a puka is yet. We just see that she her fins coax something into view, a beautiful little mess of ribs and sails with six bright eyes. So, you know, if we had read this originally, the shell first we would be like oh my god that's the fish yep and if you touch it then it's okay she gets that memory and then you're like oh my god it's a memory doohickey but because i only read the gun and didn't read the shell i just thought it was an iphone because i'm an idiot but (laughs) it's like you get what it does and how it works in a single in two lines yeah in this but without like that emotion attached to it and and, i mean not like how we did before and i mean with with how we read the Mm -hmm. the specific entries like it's more of like we saw what the actual analysis was and then we're just working backward Mm-hmm. Like we saw the end result of like Elsie dealing with the puka and we're working backward and looking at like, well, if we didn't have that knowledge, we would be completely oblivious to what this actually meant. Right. And it's kind of funny to me. It it kind of is. It starts out very innocent with her being like, oh, it's this nice little thing. And then like, oh. You're touching all my shit and you're like a really annoying cat. Stop. Stop touching my stuff, please. Also, whenever I touch you, I get like weird images in my brain. And then it's like, oh, I can use you and get traumatized every time I do it. (laughs) But I can also learn stasis at the same time. So neat. Let's do this. (laughs) It's like, my God, why are you doing this? (laughs) So traumatizing. Self-torture for the betterment of mankind. Uh, it's such a good lore book, but oh my god, it's so traumatizing. I, for the first time, I'm glad we did it all out of order that way because it's interesting right. to see it like, from a backwards perspective in the wrong direction. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, a shout-out. So we usually shout-out a thing that goes with the thing. So do you have a favorite... I'll limit it to exotic ghost shell and or actual shout out. The hairball ghost shell. The what? Hairball ghost shell. What? It was a ghost shell that I earned for doing prophecy solo flawless. The one with the the bunny one? Yes. It's called the hairball? Yes. That's its name? I didn't know that. Not to be confused with the the hairball ghost shell. Because there's two with exactly the same name. I did not know that. No way. I did not know that that was the actual, like, really? I'm pulling it up now. Oh, my God. Yep. Hairball. H-A-R-E. Ball. What? So like I thought that was the cottontail shell with the glowy ears. Nope. This is 
just it's called the hairball shell in light.gg but it's a cottontail shell in game and like on dim it's still showing as as yeah that's weird cottontail shell yeah that is weird because like yeah light.gg says cottontail shell in the link and then when you open it it says hairball shell did they rename it i think they did why would they rename it because it was cottontail shell well no like i think it was renamed cottontail like it was originally hairball and then they realized there were two ghost shells named the same thing that doesn't make any sense cottontail shell is better oh there wasn't an original cottontail shell that was the cute one with a cute little cottontail i know the original one the original one was an east it was like an easter one with like the little cute actual bunny tail yeah that was not an exotic shell though isn't it i i don't know that was a legendary shell i don't know that was a springtime shell all i know is two of them were exactly the same name so like they renamed one of them hmm yeah i think they both were named cottontail weird i didn't know that because like on dim the one that you you specifically called out Mm -hmm. is named cottontail that's so weird that's so weird no way wild yeah even valaragna saying they changed the name oh my god my life is a lie (laughs) what the hell destiny changing names of ghost shells oh my god like all i know is there was a time where they both were named exactly the same thing and then one got changed and i don't remember which one all i know is this one the one that i love is the hairball and that's because I, I, it's either you earned it by doing solo prophecy or flawless prophecy, and I don't remember which. I think it was flawless prophecy. Oh no, it was just solo prophecy. I, I think it, yeah. Either way, I got it by doing solo flawless. So like, yeah, that's how I got mine too. It holds that that significance for me. What about you? Shout out. Um, so mine is I'm cheating a little bit. Um, mine's actually legendary shell because I had to look for it um, <laughs> while we were talking. Um, so mine is a time swept shell. And this is from season nine. And this is so do you remember during season nine when we were raising all those stupid fucking obelisks? Yep. Okay, so this is the shell that you got when you raise the rank of any obelisk. The shell looks good. Yeah, so this is like a normal ass shell, but it's like very Osiris-y. So it's got like little gold spikes coming off of it, and it's kind of like <laughs> off. It's like off white a little bit, and it has like a little like obelisky looking like eyeball in it. It's like eggshell. It's like. It's yeah, it's like eggshell white. Yeah, it's very it's a little bit different, um, but I like the little spikes and um, it's just like a little bit different. Yeah, it's very pretty, um, but you have to complete the global resonance triumph is how you got it. And so you can't get it anymore. 
It's not right. like other exotic shells that you could just like go get usually because they usually just come back around in Eververse or you can like go do Prophecy yep. and get it. Like you can still get that ghost shell. You can just like go do like solo flawless or solo prophecy. I'm saying it like it's easy. It's not easy to do that. <laughs> like when we did it, like devour was like very easy. Like like stuff was really goaded back then. Like there were things you could run that made it simple. Yeah. I mean, there are there's builds now that would also make it simple in a different way. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. But this shell you can no longer get because they have sunset it. So um, I really like the shell. I think it's pretty. That's fair. Mm -hmm. It shades really well, too. Oh, I bet. Mm -hmm. It was between that one or that shell from doing all the stupid psyops things with all the little feathers on it. Oh, the uh... the cabal shell coalition shell yeah 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 that one i like that shell too i never earned it but i really like it. the one that has like the ribbon around it and then the tusks yeah i love it it's so pretty and everyone who has it i'm really jealous of you because i really wanted to get it and i never did because i just could not bring myself to do 50 of those goddamn things i was like nope I can't do it. I was sitting at 48 for the longest time. Uh, I got really close and then I was like too close to the end and I was like, I can't, I can't. So I didn't. And I, now I regret it. So. Poor shame. I know. Uh, while we also were talking, I was interested at the baseline temperature of outer space um because that was brought up in this lore tab so uh -huh. if you're wondering what the background temperature is of outer space it is 2.7 kelvins um that is negative 270 degrees celsius or negative 455 degrees fahrenheit it is mighty chilly out there you should wear a coat negative 450 degrees fahrenheit 55 so she's like my god she's like she's like oh it's a negative 270 degrees celsius that space station is negative 269 degrees celsius nice <laughs> better go check it out it's real hot in there so like it it makes sense why she's like oh hey it's like a oh, hey. flare yeah like it's real cold out here but that thing that thing's showing up pretty brightly I better go check it out <laughs> yeah so i guess that makes sense it does because if everything's like really dark and there's nothing else but suddenly there's something that's like one degree warmer than everything else yeah I, it makes sense because 2.7 kelvins is very cold yeah yeah so yeah, so that's that's how cold it is in outer space. I knew it was something like two or four degrees Kelvins or something stupid like that. So I had to actually look at the real number. So there you go. There's some astronomy information for you. See, you guys are learning shit today. <laughs> this podcast isn't all nonsense. Learn stuff. It's just 98% nonsense. Now here's some other nonsense. I have special thanks for you. How about that? Okay. 
Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. The audio. Okay. The audio for this episode was produced by Rendell Zevis. You can find him at Rendell Zevis on Twitter. The artwork and music in this episode is copyright of Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into the Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They are the resource that we use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. Yay! Here are a couple of reminders for you. You can find us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore. You can find me at Hey It's Orchid. You can find Elemist at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can um, find our email or you can send us an email. Why? You can send us an email at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can find us on Instagram at guardians of lore. You can leave us a review wherever you can leave reviews. Uh, five stars, please. You can also join our discord. There's a link in the description for this episode or discord.gg slash lore hub. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps and we really do appreciate it. Yeah. So thank, thank you very you. much. Mm-hmm. Uh, say goodnight, Elemist. Good night, Elemist. <sighs> That's what I like to hear. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Take care. Otters. Or wet. No, you say that every time. Come up with something else. Are sleek? Yeah, they are sleek. Good job. I'm proud of you. <laughs> okay, bye.